0: There was once a place where the dead whispered, where buried secrets lied dormant for generations, only to unleash a horrific evil once they were unearthed. This is the story about a family who endured a living nightmare in what was supposed to be their dream home. This is the untold story of the Summerwind Mansion and the hell that dwelled within its walls. I'm incredibly excited to tell you that today's video is sponsored by STATUS. I've been using the STATUS between pro earbuds for a while now, and they're incredible, I really don't say that lightly. I consider myself an audiophile, or someone who gets excited about audio quality and equipment, and just how wonderful something can sound, and I try to mix my videos according to my standards. So i found that whether it's music, or your favorite show, or podcast, It's like going from listening from a flat audio stream to 3D. Instead of using just a single driver like almost every set of earbuds on the market, Status Between Pros have three drivers to enhance your listening experience to the fullest. One driver for bass, one for mids, and one for treble. The result is a far cleaner, wider, and more powerful audio experience for every range of hearing. The battery life is amazing as well. 12 hours charged on the earbuds and 36 hours in the case, which totals 48 hours of continuous playback, making for a lengthy and much higher quality audiophile listening experience than probably what you have ever experienced before. These are seriously the real deal, and I promise that you will not be disappointed. Not only are the status between pros the only triple driver earbuds on the market, but in my opinion, they put all others to shame. If you're gonna listen to something, You should want the highest quality possible. So that's why I've teamed up with Status, to make you aware that you too can make this a reality. Get yourself a pair of the Between Pros today, and start listening at the highest level possible. Visit Status.co now, and find out what you've been missing. And I can guarantee not only will my videos sound amazing through them, but everything else will sound amazing as well. And now, let's get to what you've been waiting for. The home that would become known as Summerwind was originally built in northern Wisconsin in 1916 by then U.S. Secretary of Commerce Robert Lamont, originally called the Lamont Mansion after it was finished, it sat upon 80 acres of property. Alongside the large home, which contained three large chimneys, guest quarters, and a large basement, sat another smaller building, which is where the servants lived and from the beginning, things just didn't seem quite right. The mansion was fairly isolated, especially given the time period. The road conditions were poor at best, and the area in which it was in receives heavy snowfall throughout various times of the year, which led to most of the winters being waited out among the estate. During the first long winter at the property, the servants were soon being tormented by what they described as a translucent woman, first seeing her staring at them from the main window of their quarters from the courtyard to her then beginning to materialize within the home itself. Mr. Lamont initially dismissed these claims as nothing more than paranoia, thinking his servants were either delusional or getting stir crazy given the weather. And this was until one cold evening when he was made a true believer. While he and his wife were enjoying their dinner together on the first floor, they were interrupted by the basement door shaking violently. Terrified, knowing that there was no one who could be down there, Mr. Lamont pistol in hand, went to investigate. The shaking door abruptly stopped as Lamont came within several feet of it. Fighting through nerves and anxiety, Mr. Lamont threw the door open expecting there to be someone there. Instead, he was met with a bone-chilling silence. He was even more unnerved after sweeping the basement and further confirming that there was indeed no one there. Afterwards, he began to make his way back towards the door to head back upstairs, when suddenly, the ghostly form of a man appeared and stepped right in front of the exit. Scared out of his mind, Lamont then fired two shots from his pistol and the apparition then disappeared. When others were sent to investigate to confirm that there indeed was no one there, all they found were fresh bullet holes. And after this incident, the Lamont family abandoned the property, never to return. It then sat vacant and rotting for decades. The mansion was still owned by the Lamont family until Mr. Lamont's death in 1948, when it was then sold. It exchanged hands several times until it came into the possession of Mr. and Mrs. Kiefer. The Kiefer family believed that they had found their forever home and were more than excited to move in, but this honeymoon feeling was all too short lived. The Kiefer soon began to experience strange things within the house. Unexplained sounds like banging that traveled all throughout the home at random times of the day and night. Glimpses of shadows out of the corner of their eyes, and the feeling as if they were being watched at all times. These experiences soon led the family to their breaking point, and they too would abandon the mansion, leaving behind all of their belongings, food, clothes, and furniture Mrs. Kiefer would later state that she believed if she took anything with her from that house, that something horrible would happen to them. And although it was still owned by the Kiefer family, the estate yet again sat rotting away for years to come. And not only that, but word of just why it had been abandoned had reached the local community as well, leading to it being called the old haunted house. The Kiefer family despite their unfortunate experiences, would end up being the lucky ones. In 1969, Ginger Henshaw was visiting a friend and was told that she had to visit the old haunted house with her. Intrigued, she agreed and soon found herself approaching in a car, catching her first fleeting glimpses of summer wind through fingerprint speckled window glass. She would later say that upon seeing the home, she felt sorry for it. She felt that it was calling out to her soul, crying out to her soul for her to save it. She almost immediately became obsessed with the idea of living there. Her husband, Arnold owned a construction company, and shortly after her initial trip with her friend would also take a trip there with his wife to see just what all her excitement was about, knowing what it would take. Arnold immediately saw the potential and agreed that it may just be the perfect investment for the family. Since they were used to moving due to the nature of Arnold's business, the couples also figured they could use the space for their six children, as well as themselves. They then were able to reach out to the Kiefer's and make them an offer that they couldn't refuse for this massive fixer-upper. First impressions certainly go a long way for most people, and not everyone will get the same impression either. Contrary to her parents' impressions of Summerwind, nine-year-old April got a much different feeling altogether, one of unease and fear. She described Summerwind as a huge, dingy, and decrepit place, and that she was immediately overcame with a feeling of dread, like she didn't belong there. Children can often be scared by new experiences, but given what was about to unfold, I don't think that was the case for young April. Within weeks, the family moves in. Ginger immediately becomes obsessed with restoring the old home. So much so, it was like she was being compelled by an unseen force. Some of this work included trying 11 different paint colors to match the woodwork. It was as if she had been given an assignment to restore this relic back to its original glory. And as Ginger fixated on renovating, her husband Arnold began to lose interest in the house and grew ever more distant from his family. He began to wander aimlessly in a state of confusion, starting things and stopping them just as quickly. He seemed to hyperfocus on the old organ that had come with the home and began to play it at all hours of the night. Along with this, he began to be tormented by something that he couldn't see, and he believed that if he stopped playing, something horrible would happen to him. Meanwhile, Ginger continued her work. As the days continued to tick by, slowly but surely, the family began to experience very strange activity within the home. This began with small items often being misplaced when there was no one around to move them. But this soon escalated to chairs being moved one moment. They'd be up against the dining table and the next moment up against the wall. And no matter what room you were in or what you were doing, you always felt as if you were being watched along with this omnipresent watcher. The family began to be awakened by disembodied crying at odd times. During the night, the crying was described as something trying to mimic the crying of a baby but it just wasn't quite human, and there were no children that age residing within the home at the time. Footsteps also followed them wherever they went and didn't stop when they reached them. They would often cascade onto the walls. They would also hear the walking above their heads, as if someone or something simply defied gravity and walked around and above them. Now several weeks into what was supposed to be their forever home, the Henshaw family was now experiencing activity not of this world. Arnold had also grown more distant, more reclusive, and was no longer acting like the sweet man that he had once been. His personality had completely shifted, and he was no longer himself. He had gone from a loving father to an insanely angry shell of his former self. His daughter, April, would later describe him like this. Any little thing would seem to set him off and you would have to bear the brunt of his rage. These possession episodes only grew in intensity and he became more and more evil. An example of this is that one day the family's pet raccoon escaped, sending Arnold into a frenzy. He attempted to force the children into the nearby woods to look for it. Amidst the altercation, Thankfully, their mother intervened and kept him from sending them there. As a punishment to the children, Arnold found and then killed the raccoon in front of them. Despite the radical changes that were taking place within her family and daily life, Ginger attempted to regain a sense of normalcy. Attempting to put the strange activity out of her mind, she hosted a dinner party with some friends who hadn't seen her or the family since they had moved into Summerwind. Things seemed to be going well, and that was until she made a quick trip to the kitchen to get some snacks for her guests, who were sitting in the parlor. As she loaded a plate with food, the muted warmth of company was shattered by a scream. Ginger rushed to the room to find her guests screaming in terror as they witnessed the ghostly form of a man with a misshapen face appear directly in front of them. Within seconds, they rushed out of Summerwind and would never speak to Ginger ever again. Although what she had suspected all along, Ginger's worst fears were now confirmed. She was dealing with something not of this realm. And even though she knows she's not insane, it's of little consolation. Arnold has continued to spiral deeper into madness. His playing on the old organ has now become more frequent than ever and has grown more dissident and demonic in tonality. Within two months, Arnold has gone completely berserk and has lost all grip of reality. He's lost his construction business because he simply stopped working and all of the family's assets are depleted, having purchased and renovated the home. And now he's on the verge of losing his family. His daughters, now ages eight and 10, believe that the house is what is destroying their family. They have both contemplated suicide, a horrific absolute for anyone, but it's particularly disturbing because of their young ages. Ginger now often seeks refuge in the nearby woods, choosing to sleep on the forest floor rather than in her own home because she's grown so terrified of what inhabits the property. But this time, winter is quickly approaching. Due to the lack of income, the gas and electricity to the home have now been shut off and the family's daily life has devolved into basic survival needs. A broken water pump now forces them to also have to haul water from the nearby lake. Along with continuing to deal with Arnold's insanity and the paranormal activity, they are struggling just to stay warm. They've now moved all of their mattresses into the living room around the fireplace and have resorted to burning the furniture, no matter how expensive, just to live. While stripping part of the woodwork in her room to use as firewood, April was met with a horrific discovery. Upon pulling a board back, she was greeted face to face with a human skeleton. Its gnarled teeth and empty eye sockets staring back at her with small strands of hair still attached to the scalp. Isolated and traumatized, the Henshaws continue to barely exist. As the icy winds howl outside of the mansion and although it's taken nearly everything going wrong, Ginger finally reaches her breaking point. Pride has kept her from calling her father but pride is slowly giving way to her fear. Fear for herself and her children's lives. So she finally does the right thing. Walking through the frozen woods, she makes her way to the closest neighbor's house and makes the call. And like a knight in shining armor, the following morning, Ginger and the girls are rescued. Arnold stays behind, but would leave Summer when the following day to be committed to a mental hospital. Whatever hope him and Ginger once had for their relationship has long since been shattered. He was never seen or heard from by the family again. The home would be foreclosed on and resold to a new owner. But just when they thought the war was over, a new chapter was just beginning. In later interviews, Ginger would state that she wasn't into haunted houses or the spiritual world, but after what she experienced at Summerwind, she felt that she had to discover and learn about it to make sense of what had happened to her. Upon being rescued by her father, Ray, Ginger told him everything, every last detail of what had taken place. However, her father didn't believe her. He didn't doubt that there had been dysfunction and breakdown within her marriage, but he did doubt that the paranormal had anything to do with it. The year is now 1972 and Ginger and the girls are now living with Ginger's father in Ontario, Canada. Ginger has become an avid student of the paranormal, reading every last book that she can get her hands on to try and decipher just what happened at Summerwind. Since her time there, She's vowed to never return under any circumstances, but to the contrary, her father cannot seem to get the place out of his mind, and without her knowledge, he arranges a meeting and a showing of the mansion with the new owner, a woman named Mrs. Murray. Since purchasing the home, she's been unable to sell it and refuses to go inside due to a personal experience she never spoke about. Upon the arrangement, Ray and his son, Ray Jr. go inside. Ray Jr. has just been discharged from the army after several tours in Vietnam during the war and needs something to help keep him busy and help him adjust back to civilian life. Upon seeing Summerwind, like his father, he is also immediately drawn to it, describing it as the most fascinating home he's ever seen, like a mix of all different styles of architecture and that the home looked like it needed someone to care for it, like a puppy in the rain. Both men make their way inside, and it isn't long until they feel like the home is watching them. But despite a mysterious chill in the air, Ray decides to make the purchase. But like his daughter before him, he too will soon discover that he's purchased more than what he could have ever bargained for. Ray Jr. quickly gets to work renovating the old home. He calls multiple contractors to try and get assistance with the work, but as soon as they would find out where the work was to be done, they would stop returning his calls, so Ray continued, alone. One day, shortly after his work had began, Ray was frightened by something. He was so frightened that he refused to return to the mansion and claimed that he broke all of his tools, but not yet telling his father about what had happened. Ray Sr. continued to be excited about his plans for Summer Wind. As he was explaining his layout plan with his daughter and son, Ray Jr. seemed particularly nervous and kept biting his nails. Having also now studied hypnotism, Ginger offered to help her brother with his nail biting by placing him in a trance. However, things soon escalated. The lights began to flicker and the same mysterious icy wind began to chill the entire room, and Ray no longer sounded like himself. The voice of an old gruff man now answered Ginger, an old gruff voice that said, I am strong, and my children are weak. You are weak, and I am strong. I am very old, and have seven children, and I despise them all, for they are weak and I am strong. Fearing that she had unleashed something she couldn't control, Ginger began to panic once the traditional methods weren't breaking Ray's trance. She commanded the spirit to leave his body and give her back her brother. And with those words, things returned to normal. Ray soon woke up and besides a slight headache, had no memory of what had just occurred, much to everyone's shock. Ray Sr. was quick to dismiss the event as overactive imaginations. However, Ray Jr. had no children and none of the statements he had made made any sense. The man's son then proceeded to explain to him what took place to him at Summerwind and why he refused to go back. He was alone in one of the hallways sweeping and he began to hear voices. Calling out to them, he began to walk towards them he believed where they were coming from. Then, he heard two distinct gunshots and smelled burning gunpowder. Having just come back from a tour in Vietnam, there was no mistaking that smell for the young veteran. He quickly ran into the kitchen, where he continued to smell the scent. He then checked the perimeter. It had rained the night before, but there were no tracks besides his, which would have been impossible. As he continued to check, he saw the basement door where he had spotted two bullet holes, and although they looked extremely old, he continued to smell gunpowder and was rattled to his core. Upon turning around to face the room again, he was met by the apparition of an old man with a disfigured face. The spirit was racing towards him with hell in his eyes. Ray did the sensible thing and ran to the safety of his vehicle and left for good. Knowing his son was a staunch atheist and non-believer prior to this event. Ray senior was astonished given all the information and details both his daughter and son had now shared with him along with his newfound obsession with the home. Ray now believed that there was some kind of force attempting to communicate with them, but about what exactly he wasn't sure. Upon her father's request, and although it took much longer than anticipated, Ginger placed him in the same trance that she had placed her brother. During his hypnosis, Ray Sr. finds himself at Summerwind searching its halls. He then began to descend into the basement, where he discovered a box hidden behind some old stones and one of the walls. Upon opening the box, he sees a land grant written in 1767 signed by someone named Jonathan Carver. As the trance is broken, and as he re-enters conscious reality, Ray Sr., along with his family, are shocked that seemingly out of nowhere, they've conjured a name connected to Summerland, a name that could help them solve the elusive mysteries hiding within its walls. The family quickly gets to work. Heading to the local library, Ray Sr. finds that Jonathan Carver was an explorer in the late 1700s, whose crowning achievement was negotiating a peace settlement between two warring native tribes. As a reward for this, he was gifted a large swath of land, the same land in which Summerwind now sits. But upon his death, his children were unable to find any documents to verify this, and thus they were unable to inherit it. Could a land grant truly be sitting in a box hidden deep within the basement of the mansion? Although both Ginger and her brother had vowed to never step foot in Summer Wind again, given these new revelations, they both believed that perhaps the spirits were attempting to tell them where this grant was. Perhaps they wanted it found for one reason or another so they could be at peace. For this reason, they agreed to go back. Although all were fearful, they made their way back into the old mansion. And from here, they headed to the basement to search. They quickly came upon the spot Ray Sr. had seen during his trance. And after pulling several stones out, there was a space behind them, just as Ray had seen. But shock and happiness soon turned to an abyss of disappointment. There was no box there. And after confirming that there was no box anywhere in the basement, they decided to do a deep search of the entire house. But a box was never recovered. Realizing just how much of an impact the entire Summerwind experience had had upon them, and how much time they had spent searching for answers to its elusive enigmas, they collectively decided to preserve what was left of their sanity. Seemingly tormenting every single person who had ever lived there, perhaps its secrets could never be solved so the family gets in their vehicle and leaves Summerwind, never to return. The property would later be sold again and again. It would sit vacant for years. Then on one stormy night in 1988, lightning strikes the old mansion multiple times, burning it to the ground, forever sealing its secrets within a tomb of ashes. Today, all that remains are the ruins of its two chimneys and some stones. Carver's descendants, researchers and others still to this day have not found the land deed. But the real question is, did it ever exist at all? Did the spirit of Carver pull any and all people he could to attempt to find it? Or was he ever there at all? Or could there have been something else? Something that perhaps was never human, stalking the grounds of Summerwind instead, causing the torment and madness to the many residents who dared to call the mansion their home. The truth for now will forever remain a mystery, it seems. But the reality of what happened to the Henshaw family will forever haunt them until the day that they die. Thank you guys so much for your patience and support. It truly means the world to me. I couldn't be more honest when I tell you that. With that being said, if you enjoyed the video, please leave a like and a comment and share it with a friend or on social media. All those things really help me out in the algorithm, so that hopefully my content will continue to reach a proper audience of people who will appreciate it, like yourselves. Please also consider checking out my Patreon and YouTube membership programs. I also now have shirts available through Shopify that are made by a friend of mine and will be shipped out by yours truly. I would also like to thank Status for their amazing earbuds and for sponsoring today's video. I'm telling you guys, for the price, they are absolutely worth every penny because you have not heard audio sound this clean before. And thanks again for all of you for supporting and watching me. I hope despite whatever you may be going through in your life that you are making the best of it. And just know that this world is much brighter with you in it. And you mean so much to so many. Mental health is a struggle for a lot of us. And just so you know, you are not alone. And keep doing the best that you can do. Until next time, guys. This has been Cody here at Mystery Archives. Stay safe out there. And take care.